to be an apostolic church, all right? And so you may not, like that term may sound like you haven't heard that before. I'm going to go into it just for a little bit. But he talked about the gospel of the kingdom last week, and I want to kind of carry it on and say that we, we have to build the church on the right foundation, we, we sing about it today. Shagun talked about it. Like, we have to build the church on the right foundation. And the Bible says that he would build his church on the, on the revelation that Jesus is the Lord, that he is Christ, right? He says, upon this foundation... I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and then it goes on in the New Testament. We'll read some of it today. But it says that they, they held fast, and they built their foundations on the doctrine of the apostles and the prophets. Would everyone say the apostles and the prophets? And they, they literally took the teachings of the apostles and prophets, whom received that straight from Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and they built the kingdom church on the apostolic and the prophetic. And we have been building the church over the last, I'd say probably 40 to 50 years on the pastoral model. And, and sometimes on the evangelistic model and a lot on the teaching model. But we've left the apostolic and the prophetic just to like something that happens every now and then. And we don't really understand what the apostolic is. And, and I want to explain just very quickly before we read Ephesians where it kind of outlines what this looks like. The pastoral model is, is based on caring for the people that come to the church. Like it's a care-based ministry. Now, there were five gifts given to the church. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So the caring of the sheep was one of the five gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to the church. But it wasn't supposed to be what the church was built upon. And so what I mean by caring for, I mean everything's built around what the sheep in the church want instead of what the people of the world need. Are you all okay? And that's why we've, how many remember back in the day, I mean, we had arguments over pew colors and carpet colors and how loud the music was and if you led with a guitar versus a, a piano and a, a keyboard was even bad versus a, a real grand piano that took up the whole stage, you know? <laughs> what was that? Projectors, projectors was a problem. Like, back when we, we introduced projectors, like, well, why are we, why are we doing that? You're, you're taking the hymns out of people's hands. Like, like we, we griped about a lot of stuff. You know, through the years, well, well, we, we don't like the lights and we don't like the, the this and that. We just go through the stuff. And those are all things that we've, that are built around preference. So the pastoral model builds the church based on what the people that go into that church prefer. You're like, oh no. You're like, well, our church likes this style. Our church likes this type of ministry. Our church feels comfortable with this. So we build our whole ministry model based on pleasing people in the church. And there's nothing wrong with that. It is one of the five gifts that there are people that are sown into every congregation that their heart is to meet the needs of the people that come and meet their preferences and care for them. It is a gift. But that's not the foundation that we were supposed to build the church upon. We were supposed to build the church upon the power and the demonstration of God's authority and his presence. It doesn't matter whether we have lights 
or pews or chairs or purple carpet or no carpet or air conditioning or no air conditioning. It doesn't matter if we, if we have the, the, the projectors up here, if we have, it, none of this matters. This is all preference, all of it. It's all preference. And we cannot build fire life on preference. We have to build fire life on the presence of Jesus Christ. That's the difference between a pastoral model and the apostolic model. So what you'll see in the pastoral model is the pastors become famous. I mean, we, we name our churches after pastors, like this is so-and-so ministries. Well, that feels a little strange to me because the Bible says I will build my church upon Jesus, not upon so-and-so's ministry. Like, ministry is not like this grand lofty thing to, uh, to try to get into. To be a minister means to be a servant. <laughs> so we've been building this strange church culture that looks a little bit like the kingdom, and there's enough kingdom that happens that we're like, oh, we're doing a good job. Like, people are coming right? And so we grade whether or not we're doing well by how many people come to church. Like, I, I promise you, every time I'm around pastors, it's the first question they ask. Well, how many people you run to know? How many members do you have? And then, they, well, how, how are the offerings going? It's all about numbers. Jesus didn't say, build my church on how many people come to church, or how big the offering is, or how many staff members you, or how many, here's the new one, how many satellite campuses you have now? And I'm not against any of this stuff. I love that there are churches that are successful, that are planting churches all over the place. Good for them. But Jesus said, build it on Jesus. Amen. Build the church upon Jesus. Then the apostles came along, and their job is to make sure that everything that's done inside of the church lines up with what Jesus said to do. And it gets us away from this this. Like I said, this strange thing that looks like the church, smells like the church, tastes like the church, but isn't fully the church because we've pushed the apostles and the prophets somewhere else. Amen? And then the evangelist as well. So we've, we've, we've become a church that gathers instead of what an apostolic church is, which is a church that sins. Would you say that with me? A church that sins out. This is how we know if we're a, a pastoral model or a teacher model or an apostolic model. Are we sending people into the marketplace empowered, equipped, activated with the power of Jesus Christ? Because if we're not doing that, then we're still a pastoral model and we're a teacher model. And I want to tell you, we're not going to build on the pastoral teacher model ever again. Are you okay? This does not mean that we're not going to care for the people that come to church here. Absolutely, we want to care for you. I, I don't know if you know me very well at all. I'm going to check on you and see how you're doing. Like People here are going to check on. There are pastoral people in this house that want to know how you're doing, that really do care, that remember your kids' names and birthdays and all that stuff. We're not going to stop any of that. But we're going to make sure that we're sending you out on fire, filled with the Holy Spirit, being sent because an apostolic church is not about how many people come. It's about how many people go. All right. 
Because you can build a really nice organization where lots of people come through the turnstiles and then numbers just you know, rattle off as people come through the turnstiles. But then they go out from there and, and, and they have no authority, no power, no even desire to meet the needs of people in the marketplace. And we were not, Jesus didn't die on the cross and do all that he did and go through all the suffering and pain so that you and I could gather in a comfortable building where our preferences are being met. He didn't. As a matter of fact, he doesn't care about our comfort. It, it's actually better for us when we aren't comfortable. Because when I'm not comfortable, guess what I need? I need a comforter. But if I'm comfortable, I don't need anything. This goes back to the whole Pharisee stuff. Like, I don't need anything. I'm comfortable. I'm good. I've got this. Like, I got the teaching. I got the pastoral. I feel people, I'm cared for. I feel like I'm, a, I'm an important part of the, the body here. But, but that's a dangerous place to stay if we don't get the fire of God inside of us. Because at Fire Life, he is in us for us. But he's on us for other people. We have to have both sides of this. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 gets deep into this, and I'm just going to read as much of it as I can, as quickly as I can. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 1. And this is Paul, and he says, I, a prisoner of the Lord. You think Paul was comfortable? Never, never comfortable. I, a prisoner of the Lord, oh, I beseech you, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. Come on, walk worthy of the calling. Everyone, you have Jesus' name on you. Let's walk worthy of that name. I love that song today. I've got nothing else fit for a king except for my song, the yes on my heart, my hallelujah. I love that. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one an, with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Everyone say unity of the Spirit. Let's say that again. Unity of the Spirit. In the kingdom, you know what unity looks like? Diversity. Because it's the Holy Spirit that can take all of these crazy, diverse backgrounds and make it harmonious. He loves doing it. We think unity means we all think the same. Well, I think we should worship for an hour. That's me. Like, if you ask me my opinion, we would just worship all day. <laughs> like, that's what I would make church. I love it. We all have our, our things, right? Some people are like, oh, no, no, we need the teaching of the word. And I, I'm one of those guys that I like to teach the word. I feel like I, I have a teaching gift. I want to teach the word. Uh, and then some people are like, well, we got we to gotta go out. We got to tell people about Jesus. This is my wife. Everything I bring to her, I'm like, she's like, yeah, but how is that telling them out there about Jesus? Because she's got that fire for evangelism inside of her. Some of you as well. Like, okay, it's great that we come to church, but we got to get out there. And then you got the prophetic. Like, hey, look, all that really matters is that you're hearing from God. <laughs> you gotta hear from God. If you're not hearing from God, then you're messed up. And all of us are right. And the apostolic is saying, no, wait, wait, wait. It's all of these things working together in a rhythm and a harmony that only comes through the Holy Spirit. 
It does not mean we all agree on stuff. It doesn't mean we all have the same ideas. It doesn't mean we all vote for the same people. And we, uh, this sermon is in my head from, from Chris the other day, just wrecked me. It doesn't mean we all have the same opinions and beliefs and, well, mass, no mass, vote for this person, vote. No, we have varying beliefs in here. And what makes this work is that we all have the same dad. And it's okay that my belief is different from yours and yours is different from mine because Dad still sits us at the same table. And there are things that we can't disagree on. That's like Jesus is Lord. You know, he was a sinless man. He did die and raise from the dead. We can't disagree on those things. But all the other stuff, we're, we're varying opinions. And the Holy Spirit comes and brings it into unity. So he tells them, strive for, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Not the unity of opinion. You want to trigger me? Disagree with my opinion. <laughs> is that, a, that, that the American way now? We are triggered when people disagree with our opinion that we believe now is fact because we believe it, right? It's like, don't, don't fight to keep the unity of opinion. Fight to keep the unity of the spirit. There is one body. Everyone say one body. And one spirit. And one spirit. <laughs> Just as you were called in one hope, for your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is above all and through all and in you all. And then he goes on, you ready? But to each one of us is, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captives. He led captives out and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But then he also descended first. Remember last week he went into hell and took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then he ascended. That's what this is speaking of. He also descended, but he's also the one who is now ascended high above all. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And then verse 11, and he himself, and he himself, who gave the gifts to the church? Jesus. The gifts, the five gifts, here they are. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We need all five functioning in this house to be a healthy church. Amen? But it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Why do we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? Verse 12 tells us, for the equipping of the saints. Who gets equipped inside of a church? The saints. Who are saints? Everyone who believes. So Jesus goes away, sends the Holy Spirit, sends five specific giftings and offices to the church as a gift to help the church reach its, reach its fullest, fullest potential. Those five gifts are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He gave us those gifts to equip the saints. So if I'm a prophetic person, the way that I'm going to equip the saints is through the prophetic. If I'm evangelistic, we're going to equip you evangelistically. If it's pastorally, we equip you pastorally. You understand how this works, the flavors of these offices. They work together, but they equip the saints. Are you okay? For the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. So who does the work of the ministry? It's not the church staff. It's all of us. It is the church staff, but it is all of us. Amen? 
for the equipping of the saints, for everyone to do the work of the ministry. So who's called into ministry? All of us. You're like, well, I don't really know what my ministry is. Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. The five gifts that were given to the church will help stir that gift into activation. Amen? And why were those gifts stirred up? Why are we being edified to the working of the ministry? And it says to edify or to strengthen, to build up the entire body of Christ. Amen? By doing this, we will all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Come on. In other words, the church is going to look like Jesus. I always get that picture, and it's funny to me. Like, Jesus is the head of the church. Then the body of the church needs to be in proportion with the head. It's not a caricature where the head's really big and the body's really, really small. It's not those fun code things that you see. No, the body of Christ is going to stretch out and reach her fullest potential until when Jesus becomes the head of the church, people are like, oh, it makes sense. It's beautiful. Amen? That's what he's talking about here. That we would no longer be children. And how does it describe children? Tossed to and fro. Carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and by the craftiness and deceitful uh, plotting. Does that not describe our world right now? Tossed to and fro by opinions, winds of doctrine, trickery of men, political advertisement, social media. We could have put all this in there. How do we keep from being tossed to and fro? We surrender to the body of Christ. We allow ourselves to become equipped to do the work of the ministry. And when I'm equipped to do the work of the ministry, I become complete and mature and that I can stand against the waves and the winds of whatever season I'm in because I'm mature now. I'm no longer a child. And it happens through the church. Amen? There's so much here. I got to stop there, though, because I got to cover something. So you're like, well, what does that have to do with what you're talking about? We are, from this day forward, going to have what we call revival groups. All right? I'm going to tell you why revival groups, what they are, and how. And I'm going to do it very quickly, because over the next few weeks, I'm going to cover more, more of this. But revival groups, in a nutshell, are how we will cultivate our, our theme, he's in us for us, he's on us for others. These are how we're going to equip the saints to empower you. <laughs> so that everyone's empowered, everyone's equipped, everyone gets to play. Right? There's a weird thing in the pastoral model that only certain people get to play. Only certain people get to be part of the program and play. No, not in an apostolic. Everyone gets to play. Everyone finds their place, and they go for it. And there's no, well, this is more important because it's on a stage inside of a church, and this is less important because it's out giving food to the poor, and no one sees that. I'm sorry, but if there's one that's more important, it's the one that's in secret. I was thinking about this. We've been thinking about this a lot lately. 
about we're not made to be famous at all. Human beings are not made to be famous. It's not good for humans to be famous. There's not one woman or man on the planet that can handle fame. It's just not, it, it, it absolutely crushes every soul. Fame is a liar, just like wealth is a liar. Fame is false self-importance. It's not real. We were not made to be famous. And yet we've built a whole church culture now where fame is something we strive for. I want to be known for preaching. I want to be known for writing music. I want to be known for, and there's this draw towards, we call fame success in the church. And there are people, my goodness. I'll tell a quick story. I think it's in, I think it's in one, it's either in India or one of these countries. There's a man there that, I can't even remember his name. It was in one of these, uh, these movies we watched back in the day, um, that, that Darren Wilson did. I'm blanking on the movies. But they took, they took cameras and went all around the world and filmed amazing men and women of God who were doing the stuff in places that no one had ever heard of. And they're seeing miracles and signs and wonders happen on camera. And they're always with people that you don't know their name. They don't have a million, they don't have a blue check mark on Twitter. Like they don't have a million followers on social media. They don't have a store with all their best sermons. Like this one guy literally wakes up every single day, sits up and begins his prayers and says, Jesus, where do you want me to go today? And Jesus say, well, I want you to get up and I want you to walk out of the village to the south. I want you to walk two miles and then you're going to see a well. At that well, I want you to take a left When you get down, you're going to see a blue bucket on the ground. You're going to take a ride at the blue bucket, and then you're going to sit down there, and in a few moments, people are going to gather, and you're going to preach the gospel to them. So he gets up. He puts on his shoes. He doesn't even have matching shoes. He gets up, and he walks and does what Jesus says, turns, preaches the gospel. The whole village gets saved. People have demons cast out of them. Jesus comes to a village that didn't know Jesus. He goes back home, goes to sleep on his little cot, wake up, wakes up the next day. Jesus, where do you want me to go today? This happens every single day all over the world. People will never know their name, but they're famous in heaven. But they're not famous here. Famous here is phony. It's fake. And we've built a culture that thinks it's important to do things from a stage, and it's not. It's important. The Bible says don't pray your prayers out loud for everyone to hear them so that they'll think you're so holy. Do it in the prayer closet. Do it in secret. And the Father who sees you in secret, he'll reward you openly. He says, but if you do those things publicly to get praise of men, to get fame or pat it on the back or be told you have the best church or the best this or the best that, you've already got your reward. There's no other reward coming for you. And I don't want that kind of church. I want us, I want us to not care about names. I don't care about credit. Jesus gets the credit. I don't care if people know me. I don't care if people know the name Fire Life. I don't care about any of that. I just want to do what he told us to do and to do it well and to not stop until he says stop and to go left when he says go left. None of the other stuff matters. Will we tend to a church as well as we can? Absolutely, but it's not what matters. This is what matters. And it's that every one of us rise up and become activated every person here, that all of us begin to cultivate a kingdom culture. That's why we're going to have what we call revival groups. 
What are revival groups? It's an apostolic home group. It's the easiest way to describe it. How many have ever been in a life group or a home group or a cell group or whatever? Just raise your hand. That model that we did back then was, was built on the pastoral model. So we did our, our life groups based around preference. Like we even, like, well, we want to serve this kind of food. We want to have this kind of a meeting because our group likes more worship. This group likes more this. We want more prayer. They want more this. Like we, some, want, some just need the fellowship because they're lonely. So it's more, those things aren't wrong, but that's not how we build an apostolic culture. The apostolic home group is supernatural, all right? It's family, it's supernatural, it's discipleship, and it thinks about the future, not just about today. It's where people encounter God, become part of a family, and are empowered to disciple nations. That's what I mean by a revival group. That's what they're going to look like. They'll have all different expressions, but the goal is for people to encounter God, to become part of a family, and to become empowered to reach the nations. So when we say revival group, that's what we mean. All right, I'm going to go pretty quickly. How are we going to do them? They'll be in person or by Zoom every single week, all right? You get to sign up for them. We were starting with four. I'll have um, our printer didn't print very well, so we, I, I, I apologize for this. We'll have better signups later, but we have four groups we're starting with. They can be half an hour to an hour. It's up to you and your meeting. There will be homework every week. And the homework isn't going to be learn more, learn more, although that will happen. The homework will be get activated. Go prophesy over somebody. We will focus. Every month, the focus will shift. One month, it'll be evangelism. Then it will be the prophetic. Then it will be supernatural. And then we'll start back over. Evangelism, prophetic, supernatural. We're going to focus on these three things, activating those things in the church. So the first month in October when we launch these, the first month will be all about evangelism. Your homework will look like something like this. Give someone a testimony of how Jesus saved you. Give someone outside of your home, outside of your church, a testimony how Jesus saved you. You're like, ooh, I don't know how to do that. We're going to teach you how to do it. That's our job. It's our job to teach you, to equip you. We have come up with some pretty cool tools just to help. A 30-second testimony, a 30-second gospel presentation where anyone can take these little things and learn them and preach the gospel to anyone, all right? I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I want to tell you something. God has an agenda. You're like, I was, this was me, okay? Back in the day when we did evangelism at Family Worship Center, I always hated it because I'd hated knocking on doors. I absolutely hate it. At first, I just, you know, I had to talk to someone I don't know. But I'm knocking on their door, and I'm thinking, man, when someone comes and knock on my door, this is how I feel. Shoe fly, get away from my house. Who asks you onto my property, right? And, and, and on top of that, if they do open the door, you have an agenda. I'm trying to get you to come to church. That's not God's agenda. God's agenda is to get people to know that he sent his son to give them eternal life and to give them a better life here and now. But God does have an agenda. So for us to say we can do evangelism without an agenda is not true. It can't work. We have to have an agenda. But the agenda isn't to get people into Fire Life Church. It's to get people into the kingdom. They can go to church wherever God sends them. Our job is to have God's agenda. And his agenda was to seek and save that which was lost. His agenda was that all come to repentance. 
So we have to have his agenda. So that's the evangelism stuff that we're going to be talking about. We have an agenda. We want you to know about Jesus. Guess what I've done? And this is the thing. Everything that we're asking for people to do, we're doing ourselves. We've been practicing this for a couple of months now, training our revival group pastors on how we want to do this. And I've made a shift in my life. Every single day, I have an agenda. I'm going to ask somebody today if they know Jesus. I'm going to fit it into some conversation. It may feel weird. I'm going to make it happen. And and guess what? The Lord has brought people and made it very easy for me to do this. Sometimes I have to take the, the cross the chicken line. But I, I'm, it's not difficult, and people aren't offended by it. They're not offended by it because I'm not trying to get them to come to my church. I'm not trying to get them to be added to our numbers. I just want them to know that Jesus cares about them, that he cares so much about them, he died. And, it, and if it matters to them, it matters to him. So that's the agenda, and it's so easy, like, like, how many have ever received an invitation to a really nice party or, or a birthday party? So, raise your hand. You had an invitation. And how do you feel when you get an invitation to a party? I feel loved. I feel, I feel part of something. I feel like, hey, these people like me. They like me so much, they invited me to something. That's the gospel. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. You can say no. You don't have to go. But... Being given the invitation is an honor that we should feel honored to give to people. Amen? All right. So this is what they are. So we'll focus on those three areas. And then we'll also focus on personal development, right? That's going to be part of it too. Like, well, I want to learn how to prophesy. We're going to teach you how to prophesy. Well, I want to be a better husband. We can teach that too. I want to be a good parent. We have resources, We're going to accent everything we do with resources, but the main goal is not to sit and listen to someone teach a lesson to us. The main goal is that we're activated, and the majority of our meeting will will focus around, hey, who who did you prophesy over this week? How did that go? And then you get to tell your story. Well, I was at work, and I prophesied over this person, and it didn't go very well. And here's what I learned. <laughs> or it went awesome. The Lord gave me a word of knowledge and said that they had pain in, in this part of their body, and they did. And I got to pray for them on the spot. You get to share that. That will be our meetings. It will not be sit and listen to someone teach everything. It will be, let's tell our stories. What did you learn about prophesying this week? What did you learn not to do next time, right? What, what can we learn? And that's what it will look like, all right? Amen? So these are going to launch in October. I can't believe I'm saying that, in October. Like, we're already almost there. So October, I think it's the, the first week of October is a Sunday. Uh, I think it's the, the third or whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever the day is, um, that's when we're going to launch revival groups. We have four of them. And the goal of this is not to create home groups. The goal is to activate every person in the church. Like where no one sits on the bench. (laughs) Nobody. Not even kids. Not even someone who just got saved. Jesus never put anyone on the bench, man. I mean, some of the, the most amazing evangelists that he had that were in the Bible were people that got saved, and the next moment he sent them out. They didn't go to Bible school. They didn't go to, they just said, he just said, now go and don't sin anymore. And sure, yeah, go tell everybody what Jesus did for you. Go tell them. 
Or sometimes you say, hey, don't tell them, which was code for go tell them. Because <laughs> I can't keep this a secret. I got to tell somebody, right? That's what would happen in the Bible. And he, he, didn't, he didn't have to meet certain thresholds. Do I believe in training? Absolutely. Why? Because we feel more confident when we have some tools. But God gave us those tools. They're all in the word. Amen? So would you stand? Yeah. So these are some of the options we have right now. We'll have, we don't have it all nailed out as far as dates and times. Some of them will be in person. Some of them will be by Zoom. If you've never um, done a Zoom call before, they can work really well for this. They, they really can. So we'll, we'll talk more logistically and how, that, how that's all going to go. But I just need you to be praying about it. You can start signing up today if you want to, or you can wait. Um, wait until the next couple of weeks until you know a little bit more about scheduling and all that. But the goal here and my agenda is to get everyone in one of these. And once these things get full, then we break off and we create another revival group. They'll work around your schedule. That's part of the goal is to set these on days and times where people can attend them, be part of them. Zoom makes it easy where you can do it at home during the week. Um, I want an apostolic culture. I want a place where the presence of God is what we gather around and our agenda is to equip the saints. All the other stuff we do as a church, we'll take care of it. We'll, do, we'll steward well what God's given us, but we gotta make the main thing the main thing, right? I, I, cheesy, but it's true. We've got to make the main thing the main thing, and that's we gather around Jesus and we become equipped. So Father, I ask right now that <clears throat> we know that you've, brought us to this time and this season. <laughs> and I ask that you would just begin to prepare our church and prepare us for what we're about to become. I ask that you begin to stir up hunger in our hearts to be equipped, to find a place where we encounter you, where we become part of a family, and we become empowered and equipped and activated. No more sleeper agents. We prayed it. <laughs> no more sleeper agents in fire life. Come on, you're all activated agents. The Holy Spirit activates you. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. Before we close out, I just want to, is there anyone here? This is, you can close your eyes, bow your heads. Anyone here on the, on the call? Like, you know, you know God or you've known him, but you don't feel very close to him right now. You can raise your hand if you want to. If you're on the Facebook Live, thank you. Yeah. Anyone else? Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, we just invite you now to come close to all of us. Yeah, just invite him to come close. If you feel distant, you feel far from him, just, just say, come close, Lord. I turn my attention to you. I see you. Hmm. You're like, how are we saved? How, do we, how are we saved? We confess that Jesus is Lord. And we believe that God raised him from the dead. And we're saved. That's salvation. And the way, the way it happens is we turn to him. Hmm. 
God, I pray for every one of us that our hearts would burn for you, that you would come near to us right now. For anyone that feels like you're distant or far away, I ask that you would reveal the truth. You're actually closer than our breath. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anyone here? You can keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. I got maybe two more things I want to ask. If you're here and you're fighting, you're battling an addiction, and you want to be set free, just raise your hand and put it back down. It doesn't matter what the addiction is. It could be too much TV. It doesn't matter. Too much coffee. I don't know. There's an addiction. Just put your hand up. Put it back down. Amen. Jesus, you came to break chains and to release captives. So we release captives right now. You said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to set captives free. So, Father, in this room... In someone's home, we release the captive right now. We declare freedom in Jesus' name. Is there anyone sick? You're sick. We know we've got a couple in the church that have been sick. We bless Rodney in Jesus' name. Be well. I think he's watching right now. Rodney, we miss you. We love you. Be well in Jesus' name. Anyone else? You've, you've not been feeling well. Yeah, just lift your hand. Would someone find, if they have their hand in there, would you just place your hand on their shoulder? We have a Hank right there. Anyone else? Jesus saves, he heals, he delivers. Yeah. If you're on, the call, on, on Facebook or YouTube or however you're watching this and you need healing, we just, the Bible says that he sent his word and healed us. So we send the word of God. We send Jesus to you right now to heal you of all of your afflictions. Be well in Jesus' name. Be well in Jesus' name. Never the same. Like Shagun said, never the same. Be well in Jesus' name. By his stripes, we were healed. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer for anything else, we'll have people meet here at the front. I'm going to throw these, these uh, kindergarten sign-up sheets down here. If you do want to sign up today, that, that helps us. We can begin to shape some of the groups. If you want to keep waiting, that's no, no problem there. Um, we'll, we'll see you when you sign up. Um, if you want prayer, come to the front. We bless you. Thank you for being here. I pray that his presence goes with you, that you are activated. Come on, that you're activated by the power of the Holy Spirit this week, that God gives you divine appointments and opportunities. In Jesus' name, thank you for being here. We bless you. Amen. Amen.